Times of Trinity. That's right. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> we want we want we don't want this don't want this church dying when we go. <laughs> we want the kids to carry on with it. Amen. Oh. I've been looking forward to coming today. Uh, I love coming to this church and uh, being with all you lot. <laughs> all you lot. My wife, she's she's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. And um. Somebody was talking to me not long ago, you know, and, and they were telling me all about their church up in Palace North. Great church, big church, big everything. <laughs> and it sounded fantastic. And they were sort of hinting that I go along there, and I said, oh, it sounds great, and thank you for inviting me. But um, my friends are not there. My friends are here, you know, and that's a, that's a big thing for me. As much as I love everything else about the body of Christ and probably enjoy being at a big church, but my friends are here. And um, I feel like my family's here. Okay. Uh, I'll start with Acts 17 and 11. And it says, Now the Berean Jews were more noble in character than the Thessalonians because they received Paul's message with gladness. They loved the word of God. But they also examined Christian uh, scripture to see that what he said was true. I mean, he, these guys were checking out Paul, the apostle, the guy that uh, wrote most of the New Testament. And uh, to, see what they, to see what he had to say was in line with scripture. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. The wisdom is... Uh, Whatever you hear in relationship to scripture, regardless of who is saying it, preaching it, teaching it, make sure you check it out for yourself. Don't be afraid to challenge the process or challenge what you've been hearing. And uh, give it due diligence and see how it fits you. And this month we are speaking on the subject of giving. And... Um, I feel like I, I, know, I know a lot of you and I'm preaching to the converted. <laughs> but that's okay. We're, it's good to be reminded of stuff, eh? And I know a lot of your hearts and I know that you're already givers. Uh, but I'm going to um, touch on a, a couple of aspects as I see it. As I have worked, walked it out. Uh, the revelation that I have received, and I love preaching testimony more than I preached uh, theory. But as I said, you need to be of noble mindset and character like the Bereans and study what I said and make sure it fits not only scripture, but that it fits you. Let's pray. Father God, I, I just pray, Lord, the, um, the prayer, Lord, that Paul prayed to the church of Ephesus, that the eyes of our understanding be opened and enlightened. We may know what is the breadth and length and depth and height of the love that you have towards us and the power that's available to us, Lord, the increase, Lord, that is available to us in Christ. Oh, Father God, thank you, Lord, for revelation today. 
Thank you, Lord, for increase in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and in our understanding, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. John 3.16, which is probably the most influential, life-changing, and most powerful uh, scripture in the Bible. And it says, For God so loved, for God so loved the world. And for those of you that don't know it, that includes uh, Muslims. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved that he gave his only son, so that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And right from the outset, God sets the standard for giving. He gave it all. Nothing was held back. And he gave the most precious thing that he had, his only son. This was no cheap gift. This was nothing second-hand. This was nothing that, oh, I've had this for a while, I'll pass it on to somebody else. This was something really expensive. He gave all that he had. And his giving was an act of love. And love was the, the motivation, the main reason for Jesus' coming. And so in the kingdom, loving and giving go hand in hand. In fact, generosity is the most... Uh, natural expression of an inner attitude of love, compassion and kindness. The evidence or the fruit of a generous heart is seen how a person gives. And cre- all creation was made to give. The sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the earth, the plants, all designed and created to give. You and I were created to give, to multiply. Life was to produce life. And in all of creation, the only thing that was uh, reluctant and selfish when it came to giving was fallen man. And nothing has changed. Isn't it ironic that um, half the world is, is, is dying of starvation and the other half is dying a lot of the times through overeating. People are dying because we won't give. The world is falling apart because people want to hold on to power. They don't want to share anything. Corrie Ten Boom said this, that the measure of a life after all is said and done is not the duration, but rather its donation. Jesus was among us for 30 years, and three of those years it was spent in a ministry of giving. What a difference that made. The world wants to know what a man owns or what he has. The question that Jesus asks and is still asking, how does that same person use what he does have? The parable of the talents, the, the size of the talent came second to what was done with it. And John Wesley wrote this, he said, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as ever you can. We were created with two hands, one to help ourselves and the other to help others. I like that. A huge part of our, uh, our makeup or our DNA in Christ is giving, is loving and giving. We love and we give. 
That's the makeup of Christ. Someone once said, I'm a, I'm a big believer in acts of kindness and generosity, no matter how small they are. Betty and I, uh, we both grew up in uh, generous homes. You ask my sister, she'll tell you. We both grew up in very generous homes. And uh, as a result, um, it just passed down to Vidi, you know, in my home it passed down to me, it passed, and I've seen it in my, my sister's lives, my brother's life. And, um, but we've always loved giving. In fact, uh, Vidi treats it as an adventure. <laughs> Both her and her sister Winnie have uh, adventures in generosity and giving. And I just go along for the ride. <laughs> I'm just there to help. And uh, as I said, we both grew up in homes that, that were generous, sometimes to a fault. And both our parents were proponents of and practiced one of our cultural values, which is called manakitanga. And um, it embraces hospitality, kindness, generosity, support, the process and practice of, of, share, of showing respect, generosity and care for others. Manakitanga. What a great word. What a great concept. Uh, Vidi penned one of her mum's favourite sayings in a book she wrote, and it goes like this. There's always room for one more at our table. And she meant it. And she lived it. Uh, in my own home, when people came to our home in need, uh, cupboards were opened, Fridge and freezer were emptied. Nothing was spared. Nothing. I've seen my, 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 my tonight's dinner going out the door. <laughs> Nothing was spared. And, um, you know, there'd be random relatives that'd ring up and they'd be either going north or going south and they'd ring up mum and they'd say, oh, Lizzie, we're going to be in such and such a day, such and such a day, and we'll call in for a cuppa. So mum would write down exactly the day, exactly the time, and my father would be dispatched out to the farm to kill the fatted sheep <laughs> or some chickens. And uh, by the time those people got to our house, it could be a dark couple of days later, expecting a cup of tea, there'd be a banquet there. I love those random visits. <laughs> and there'd be a three-course meal waiting for them. And uh, as they rolled out the door... <laughs> she would pack up everything that was left over and give it to them. And it was, a, it was a, just a home of generosity. And uh, if they stayed overnight, then uh, I was kicked out of my room and every, onto the couch and, and the bedroom was made up for them. And so Kohai was in their veins. But the thing is that uh, both our parents never had much. But we always had plenty. We never had much, but we always had plenty. They weren't Christians, but they lived the, the, uh, uh, the principle of give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Our cupboards were always full. Our fridge was always full. There was always somebody giving us something. Farmers would give my father sheep and half a cow, <laughs> half a pig and whatever. But we, we had plenty. And they just kept giving it out. But it always kept coming back in. Um, Proverbs 11.24 There is one who gives freely, 
yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want or comes to poverty. Uh, One of my uh, closest friends died not long ago. And when we were young, he was really happy-go-lucky and and a really giving person. Give you the give you the clothes off his back, you know. But um, in the job that he had, he 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 was able to gather a lot of wealth unto himself. And I watched him grow over the years and grow older. And it seemed that the older he got and the more wealthy he got, the more insulated he became. And. Uh, he wasn't so active in sharing and giving anymore. And I listened to his conversations and I saw how he grew uh, fearful of losing what he did have. He had plenty, he lacked for nothing, but he was fearful in what he did have. And one day after listening to him, you know, and uh, I went home to, and I said to Vetti, you know what? I said, I think he's become so wealthy that he has become poverty-stricken. He's become so wealthy that he's become poverty-stricken. He's, he's got no joy in his life anymore. He's always fearful. He got to the stage where he's actually paranoid about it. Lost everything. There are two um, uh, lakes that are called seas in Israel. One's called the Sea of Galilee. The other is called the Dead Sea. And both, apparently, uh, are fed by the Jordan River. But the Sea of Galilee distributes out to all of Israel. It nourishes most of Israel. And so it feeds back out. And as a result, it is alive with life. But the Dead Sea, which receives from the same river, doesn't release anything. And it just dies there. And nothing can live there. There is one who gives freely, yet draws all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, only to suffer as want. And uh, Vidi and I have known financial hardship many, many times over. But as the Lord has led us to give, even in our lack, God has been good. At the end of some financial years, we have uh, tallied up our giving on top of our outgoings, which have been greater than our incomings. But when we we tallied it all up, we usually had an excess. How does that happen? A lot of times we couldn't figure it out. When When it comes to following God, Don't ever be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. See, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, way beyond what we could ever think, ask or imagine, according to that power that works within us. What's that power? Faith, love, a generous heart that gives. Here's the question. Is there such a thing as being over-generous? Personally, I don't think so. Not when we look at what God and Christ gave. It was a lavish gift. Extravagant. But I do think there is a a giving that requires scrutiny, wisdom, careful planning, purpose, 
When we started out in this walk, we were zealous in our giving. We gave to excess, even beyond our means and, and responsibility and our faith level, and we got burned big time. Fortunately, we had a very wise pastor who taught us the principles of faith, how to give by faith, how to know the Holy Spirit's leading. He sat us down and made us uh, start all over again, how to, how to grow in faith, where to grow. The principle of faith is this, seed, time, and harvest. First the seed, second the stalk, third the ear, and then the corn in the ear. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And he taught us how to, to uh, he taught us to learn how to give just in the small things, but believe for those things in return. And he taught us where, where to find increase. And increase comes in different ways. It came by way of wisdom, how to use the money that we had left. How to buy, where to buy, how to save, how to invest. And it comes by way of favour, a better job, better conditions. Like I said, according to John 3.16, giving is an expression of love. And love is always an action. But uh, it's a heart that does the giving, amen? And it's the fingers that just let it go. So let me give you some insight into love. If you're reading your Bibles, turn to Philippians 1, verse 10, 9 and 10. And it says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more, your love, your giving, but in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Here's the West translation. I pray that your love may abound, overflow, but at the same time be kept within the guiding limitations of accurate knowledge of God's word. A.S. Wirrell's translation. Thus, uh, love thus accompanied by a full knowledge of truth and a spirit of correct discernment is one of the highest spiritual atonements and love without these two accompaniments is blind and may lead to many excesses. You see, giving is an expression of love. It comes from a generous heart. But there's a need to be able to discern between what is true and what is false, what is valuable and what is worthless. Discerning what is good soil discerning what is barren. And let me uh, share with you uh, an example from right out on left field. And uh, you see these people on TV. I call them the telemarketers of, of, of healing and miracles. And you'll know the rhetoric. If you'll give into this ministry $1,000, you'll receive your miracle. But only for this week only. So you need to be quick. But wait, there's more. If you'll give another $500, you will receive your healing. And a seagull. Now it's not for me to tell you how to respond to any of that. That's up to you. You've got to work out your own salvation. <laughs> 
But I'll tell you what I know and I'll tell you what I believe from what the Bible says. Number one, the gospel message is free. Always has been. Number two, salvation is free. It's a gift. It was paid for in full by Christ on the cross. Number three, included in our salvation was a, a washing away of all sin, guilt, shame, unrighteousness and fear. But also, according to Isaiah 53 and 5, verse 224, by the stripes that Jesus bore, we received our healing. And there's nothing in there about giving money for your miracle or for your healing. Love and giving, thus accompanied by a full knowledge of truth and spirit of correct discernment, is one of the highest spiritual atonements. Love without these two accompaniments is blind and may lead to many excesses. Hebrews 6.12 Through faith and patience we receive the promises of God. Matthew 9.29 Be it unto you according to your faith. And there's a time for sowing seed. There's a time for sowing financial seed. But that's it, the Lord's. And here's, here's what 2 Corinthians 9 says. Every person according as they purpose in their heart, so let them give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God is looking on our hearts. Paul was saying that give, it's an act of love. But he encourages us to uh, to to give freely, not begrudgingly, not feeling forced or manipulated. But we should do it with purpose, consideration, planning. Is it good ground? Is it good soil? Can we expect a crop from it? We should expect a crop from it. You should be giving in faith. God wants to bless you abundantly. Will it grow the kingdom? You know, to the carnal mind, it may seem that our giving is just throwing away money. But when we use it for, with proper principles, it's a seed sown from which valuable increase may be expected. When you look at uh, those Christian organisations like Tear Fund and World Vision, they have purpose. They have structure. They have governance. They have planning. And it multiplies the finances that come in. Now they've got micro-banking systems, micro-business systems. You know, when you think about the, um, the miracle of the, the fish and the loaves of bread, Jesus had a plan for that. He said, get everybody to sit down in, in, in orderly fashion. There was governance there. There was structure there. It wasn't just a free-fall where he just threw out bread and threw out fish. Everybody received as they had need. You understand what I'm saying? The Hope Initiative, good soil. It's a kingdom builder. The one million children, good soil. It's a kingdom builder. I want to encourage you today, don't give up the spirit of giving. It's how God releases back to you. It's different to the world. The world says, get all you can and keep all you've got. God says, give freely. Freely you have received. Freely give. And it'll be given back to you. Good measure. Pressed down. 
shaken together, running over. It may not come back as you think it does, but it will come back. The second one is giving ourselves into service. Jesus said that the, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he did a great job. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. Understand that all ministry in the kingdom is about service. This is service. What I'm doing today, I'm just serving you. I'm not happy of preaching and teaching of myself. This is, a, this is a place of service. I know that sanctification, knowing who you are and what your purpose and ministry comes not with any particular calling, but genuine acts of service, often for which there is no calling. To be sanctified and set apart doesn't always require a big name or a big position or a big title. It's just fact, a, a faithful acts of service is all that is required. Personally, I, I've never ever asked for a position or title. Never ever asked for it. Right throughout my just about 40 years of being with the Lord and, and helping to build churches, I just go there and, and look for a place to serve. But just as, and I've given myself, I love serving. That's my calling. <laughs> That's my calling, just to serve. And, uh, and I have no problem serving behind a mop or broom. I've no problem uh, serving behind a lawnmower, visiting sick folk, praying, encouraging, counselling. But as I have served in those obscure areas, their title, position, office, and leadership has been thrust upon me as well. It's amazing, no? When you're faithful in the small things, God elevates you and promotes you to the bigger things. And um, I'm a reluctant speaker at best. <laughs> but uh, as I've given myself wholeheartedly to serving in this, I've always had an open pulpit and I've always been able to share when you're faithful in what is another man's, God will give you your own. You see, great opportunities also. Great areas of growth and personal development often come disguised as small acts of service. Talent, skills, ability may get you to the top, but in the kingdom, it's character that keeps you there. Um, many years ago, I... Um, because of the job that was in, I had uh, toxic fume poisoning, and it just shut down my whole brain, almost completely. I, got a, 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 I was probably responsive for about maybe one or two hours a day, and I couldn't get my my brain to register with my arms and everything else to, to get up sometimes, and I'd just be stuck. And uh, of course, I. I couldn't work anymore, but I was frustrated with it because I loved working and I wanted to work. And uh, after a while, I got to a place where I was able to um, move about for about three or four hours at a time. And so I had a, one of my prayers was being able to get back and work full time. And some, for, I don't know how I got onto it, but I, I heard about the Cancer Society and their home visitations team. And they were wanting more. Um, volunteers for it, so I 
put up my hand. I mean, I play FIFA. I know what that's like. I know how lonely that can be, how dark that can be. And so I put my name down for home vi- their home visitation team. And, it was a, and I would go in and spend maybe one or two hours with uh, these people and just be with them and just talk with them and just uh, become their friend, you know. And I'd be somebody that they could talk to. And, uh, and it meant that the family could go out for a couple of hours and wife could go and get her hair done and, and do some shopping and things like that. And so I did that for quite a while. And as, my, as the fume, the toxic fumes began to decrease in my body and I was able to get around more and more and more, um, ACC sent me along to, to reevaluate my skills and, wh- and what, better, what other jobs <coughs> I'd be good at. And so I went along there and they figured out that I'd be good at industrial chaplaincy. <laughs> and I said, what the? What is that? And so they explained it all to me. Then they shipped me off and I got all the training that I needed. And then they sent me out to all of these companies all around Wellington and Cavity Coast and banks and high-rise buildings on the terrace. And uh, I worked with all sorts of people, right down to cleaners and, and street cleaners and, and all sorts of stuff. And I think I had about over 1,000, maybe 1,500 people on my book that could um, come and see me or talk to me and things. And I loved the job. Best job I ever had. Right on the coalface. Right on the front line. Talking to all the heathens. <laughs> talking to all the non-Christians about the things of the Lord. Having a, um, praying with them, you know, meeting their families, picking them up. Talk to a few people out of committing suicide and stuff like that. All sorts of stuff, and uh, helped save a few marriages. All that sort of, and I loved it. And I got paid for it. <laughs> it was a good wage, but it came out of uh, it came out of a time when I was prepared to give. In that small place, in that obscure place, when I went and joined uh, the cancer society. And that developed my skills for being able to do that job. Here's a quote. We are like vessels or cups, constantly and quietly being filled with the goodness of God. But God wants us to practice tipping ourselves up so that all that beautiful stuff keeps pouring out. Isn't that lovely? Timothy says that we're like Vessels unto honour encourages us to be vessels unto honour, ready for the master's use. Let me bless you with a prayer today. And after that, if you need prayer, then I'll stick around and wait for you. And uh, anybody else that wants to join me in praying for us. Let me bless you with a prayer today. Father God, I'm going to pray the prayer that Paul prayed to the church at Colossians. I pray, Lord, that uh, my brothers and sisters here today be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That they may walk worthy of you, pleasing and fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of you, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power and to all patience, long-suffering with great joyfulness. I call these people blessed 
I call you blessed going in, coming out, and all that you set your hands to, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kim. So Kim's just um, said if anyone would like prayer. I just feel there's a song we're going to play. It's called Broken Vessels, Amazing Grace. So if you want to um, go and have a tea and coffee out there, um, by all means, and there's lots of bread, but if you'd like to remain in here and have some ministry, some prayer, um, you know, about the sermon today or whatever, come. Bless you all. Have an awesome day. Say